Hey everybody, it's Kelly Cooper and welcome to episode 246 of the Life Made to Order podcast. Some thoughts on grieving and loss. And I felt inspired to record this today because it's my mom's birthday, the day I'm recording this, August 2nd. She would have been 70. She died in May 2020. In May 2019, she had been diagnosed with cancer. And she died the following May, May 2020, of COVID. At this point, her cancer had been advancing and she had gone into the hospital and she contracted COVID in the hospital. So I think she more died of cancer. Obviously, her death would be considered COVID. She contracted it when she was in the hospital. And obviously, in her state, because of the nature of her cancer, having one cancer, even though she didn't smoke, it's not as uncommon among non-smokers as we think, um, her respiratory health was already pretty compromised. So once she got that diagnosis, I knew that she probably would not be uh, recovering uh, from the illness. So, typically birthdays, holidays, they don't make me any particularly sadder for deaths or anything. I, of course, I think of it. She really loved Christmas. So sometimes Christmas I get a little sad because I just have a nice memory of, she would like decorate the house and it's a very nice cozy, you know, when all the Christmas decorations are up in the house and all the lights and all the stuff. But yeah, so being her birthday today, I was reflecting on these last few years you know, not just since she died, but the year of that she was sick. And at this point, you know, three years later, I'm in a very different place than I was, you know, in other at other points. Um, and I don't have any particular message for this podcast or any particular thing. I'm just, I just want to share some real life realizations. I had some insights. I'll probably talk a lot about my own personal experience with different things. Some things might be relevant to you. Some things might not be. But I think anyone that's grieving, experiencing loss will find hopefully some value in, in at least some of the things that I'm talking about here. So the first thing I wanted to say, and I'm sure I'm not going to say anything that hasn't been said a million times, you know, a lot of uh, personal growth, spirituality, this sort of stuff, it, it, can, it becomes very cliched because we hear it so much and it kind of loses its power because of how much we hear it and we can forget how profound the advice is and how powerful it is because again we've heard it so much it just kind of loses it loses that power because we're like yeah yeah i've heard that a million times but i've always said cliches become cliches for a reason and we don't want to dismiss things for that because we're missing out on the most powerful pieces of wisdom and advice and guidance that we and then we go searching for some other thing some new advice or new information that is, you know, and, but like the most powerful, helpful stuff is, is already right in front of us. But anyway, right. So I probably won't be saying anything that's like, wow, no one's ever had that thought about this before ever. So the first thing I want to say, and again, cliche, the more emotionally disturbed we are by an event, the more emotionally challenging, the more painful it feels, the greater the opportunity we have for really deep work, really deep purging of shit, really an opportunity to go into the depths of our mind that we might not have gone willingly. And even if we want to go somewhere willingly, it could be difficult to do that because if something's not happening to flush up the feeling, then it could be harder to get in touch with it. 
So that's why that these situations provide such a profound opportunity because they flush up stuff very strongly and bring things to the forefront of our emotional world, the forefront of our awareness and our consciousness. And we, if we decide to, we can use that flushing up in a way that's very advantageous to us emotionally. And it gives us a chance to heal a lot of stuff that probably doesn't even have to do with the, the, the death or whatever the other, the situation is because, um, like what's one of the most common spiritual ideas or pieces of wisdom, right? Is it's never what's happening. It's our reaction to what's happening. So it's not about the death. It's not about anything that's actually happening. It's just, you know, there's stuff in our mind that just gets these buttons get pushed when these external events put pressure on them. So if you're grieving or anything, and a lot of stuff I'm, I, I'll be talking about is as application to any difficult circumstances. Again, it's not really about the circumstance, but for a lot of people, loss, death, all of that stuff, it, it, it touches on some very, very deep fears, some very, very, uh, deep feelings that we might, might have suppressed. It touches on a lot of stuff that we probably try to keep buried and, and ignore and distract ourselves from. But if we're willing to suspend that mode of action and be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to really let myself be with this. You would have a tremendous opportunity. My mother's death was a tremendous opportunity for me to work through a lot of stuff. And I can't claim that certain things are like done, like, oh, I'm done with that issue. But I've made a lot of headway. And there are certain things that would be maybe more emotionally charged in the past that when I think about them now, there might still be a little bit of a residue there, but it's not the same. It's like a different and you might, you'll, some of you might have experienced this. You still find yourself thinking about certain things or you certain egoic human mind thought system ideas. You still kind of have them, but you just respond to them differently. It's almost like, it's just like this automated programming that hasn't totally flushed itself out yet. And it comes up sometimes, but you react to it very differently. So for me, it gave me opportunity to deal with a lot of things. Obviously, death brings up a lot of more broader general fears that we have. It helps you realize it's never about the person, right? It's about how you think this is going to affect you. Of course, you love them and you miss them, but it, right, it's never about the thing. Um, like I said before, it could flush up stuff that might not have anything to do with that in particular. And it's dormant feelings, suppressed, repressed feelings from other stuff that's happened to you but there's a common energetic thread oftentimes like there's a similar feeling or similar fears or there's and sometimes it's totally unrelated but other times it's there's some kind of energetic emotional thread again that that might be similar so it, it brings that up and it gives you a chance to work through that because for me one of the things that I had to work through with that was my father had died when I was younger like not super I was like 27 I wasn't like that you know a kid but relatively young and then my mom died you know I lost so I lost both my parents at an age where again I wasn't a kid and she died like you know years later or whatever when she died so I wasn't like a kid like orphaned or anything but I had lost both of my parents at an age that I wouldn't have expected 
that to happen. I was still like relatively young. I wouldn't have thought I'd only be in my 30s by the time both of my parents passed away. I was like, that's kind of young. Again, not like a kid. It's not like a teenager or a young child, but it's still like, I wouldn't have thought that if I had to like guess, right? So both my parents died relatively young. So once my father had died, and it wasn't something I obsessed about by any means, but I always thought about that. Like then my mom's gonna die. And what if she dies like soon too? This idea of losing both my parents, there was something about that that seemed very tragic and like awful and terrible. Like these two people that bring you into this world and you we, ha we have an idea that no one cares about you as much as your parents do generally. Some people might, <laughs> might not be the case, right? They have like a strained relationship or something. But generally speaking, you know, but even in then I think there's still a love there that's unique even if it doesn't show it doesn't appear to be that way on the surface based on the relationship dynamic but anyway um so there's something about that loss that was like very scary to me and I would again it's not something I obsessed about but over the years I would think about that and when it finally happened I was just like it was just a weird feeling to have both your parents be gone and that brought up a lot of stuff about feeling like lonely in the world, abandoned. There's no one, no, like I said before, there's no one that cares about you more than your parents. Now those people are gone. And it was like this whole like aspect of my life was just like done. And I, that was a very painful thing to deal with. So it gave me an opportunity to explore those ideas around family connection and the meaning we assign to family and how that, the way we value it sometimes like anything in the world, the way we value some things can be to our detriment because it can make us feel really badly when those things get taken away or they go away or we never get them in the first place, perhaps. So it gave me a chance to work through those deeper fears of loneliness and feeling alone in the world. Um, I had a lot of complicated feelings towards my mother, not because she was not a good parent. She was a, she was a really good mom. Uh, you know, she was never pushy or critical or, you know, anything like that. It was more, so it wasn't anything about, oh, how she raised me or what type of mom she was. She fucked me up or I was angry about an aspect of my childhood. It was nothing about that. My complications with her emotionally started after my father had died because of the way she kind of seemed to kind of withdraw from the world. I felt very responsible for her happiness and well-being as some of you might know, and for those of you that don't know, my husband and I, Ryan, we are like, I guess, nomadic, I guess you want to say that we don't have a residence for over a decade now. We've been traveling pretty much full time. We will use my mom's home in New Jersey for a base and we go back there and stay with her. And I know that made her very happy. But so my traveling she didn't always make me feel super guilty about it, but I know she would say something sometimes that she hinted that she preferred we were home in New Jersey, especially because we would stay at her house. That made her very happy. We all could have lived there till we all died and she would have been perfectly fine with that. But anyway, right? So I had this tremendous guilt because she was all alone and I felt this, like I felt like I should have been there more and I, I felt, and of course, like anybody, right? I projected all that shit onto her and I blamed her for making me feel guilty but no matter what she said or did if I felt guilty right I had to and over time I this was a realization I made right I had to own I was 
like my guilt was my thing no matter what someone else says or does or how much they might obviously be trying to evoke a certain feeling in us or make us act in a certain way if we actually feel the feelings if we actually uh, make the decisions we have to own that we're doing it and like they're not actually making us do anything but obviously for a long time while I was aware of that idea it wasn't a foreign idea to me of owning my feelings and it's I can't blame it on her being an unenlightened person that hasn't undergone um, extensive rigorous mind training 24 hours a day I often found myself defaulting to the ego thought system where I was blaming her so I resented her for making me feel guilty I resented her for why can't you just feel better so I don't have to worry about you why can't you just like go out and do stuff and not sit in the house all day and when I say that I mean she was like some kind of like recluse that like never left the house or anything again or anything like that but she did kind of withdraw from the world a bit and again what's that again the common ego thinking is when someone else is like I all the things that need to change externally for me to feel better ego human me was like please can you just be different so I cannot feel this guilt so I cannot have to worry about you right it's it was all it wasn't about her it was about me right so I had a lot of that stuff there was like a weakness to her and neediness to her that I would find like repellent sometimes I would just get very irritated and just be like not disgusted but I would just be like oh again because it was about you're making me feel all these feelings please be different so I don't have to feel this way and when she got sick she got diagnosed in May 2019. I had been abroad. We were traveling out of the country. We were in Thailand at the time. And we were going to be traveling for a couple of more months. And then we were probably going to head back to, to New Jersey, to the U.S. But as soon as she told me, because she got diagnosed stage four, like as soon as she, her diagnosis, it was already more advanced. So, of course, immediately I was like, yeah, I'm going to come home. And it wasn't out of a guilt or anything. At the time, I truly, that's what I truly wanted to do. I, I didn't feel guilty or obligated. Or it wasn't something that I didn't want to do, but I did it because I thought I had to. I truly wanted to do that and, and be there and help her and, and take her to her treatments so but now my my big fear was coming to fruition I was like she has stage four lung cancer she's probably not going to recover from this fully and she'll die like I don't know when but like I felt like this was the wheels were being set in motion for the realization of this this fear I had had over the years this this thing that I thought was like so awful and life-changing and would be so damaging to me so I wasn't feeling great and like I said I went there I wanted to be there but how she is sometimes she would be could be difficult and again I had to own my responses to her because my I would get angry with her and I would get annoyed when she would be certain ways and I would feel tremendous guilt something oh my god she's sick and she must be so scared what must she be feeling right now and I'm yelling at her and I'm getting annoyed with her because of course what I was doing was that was all my intense fear I was terrified about what was happening I was terrified she was gonna die so that would all come out in when she would have her moments where she seemed to be like kind of her weak needy kind of elements of her, her personality manifesting it would trigger me again because I was just I didn't want to deal with that fear and that pain so it was easier to to be angry at her and I would feel tremendous guilt about that and Ryan would always be like you're just human and he's like you know he's like I in the house with you I see kind of what you're doing and she's he's like I know you are judging yourself harshly he's like but you're not actually being as mean to her he's like yeah you're getting annoyed he's like but you're not 
like in your head, your image of how you're being towards her, he's like, it's not really that bad. But of course, there's still the guilt and his assessment was helpful to some degree, but it, right, I felt how I felt and I had my perception of it. And, you know, I ended up doing a lot of stuff for her. I would call the doctors. I would talk about the scans. I would talk about the treatments. I would, I'm like a researcher. Like, when the same thing happened when my dad got sick. I became not, I became an expert on a subject, not an expert, true expert, but I became very well-versed on a subject that I wish I didn't have to even, like, think about. And the same thing, you know, I'd go to the doctor's appointments and I'd talk about the medications and this and that. And they were always, like, sometimes they would ask me, like, are you, like, a healthcare professional? Like, do you, are you, because they would be impressed with, like, all the stuff that I knew and, like, the terminology. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I just read a lot and I can, I kind of can grasp the idea, you know, whatever, like it was just, I would, I, a lot of stuff I read, it was easy for me to understand and I'd read some different things. So they were like, always like, wow, like you're one of the most informed people. Like most of the time, obviously people don't know what we're talking about or they don't really want to know. So a lot of people, they don't even read about stuff, which I can't blame them. I I'd possibly do the same if it was me myself, maybe, but anyway, right. So I would handle everything and I would make the appointments. And sometimes Ryan was like, He's like, you would think you're the one with cancer. He's like, you're the one that's always talking. You would think you're the one that's sick and like handling your own illness. And essentially, I didn't really mind because I know my mom probably, especially with my dad having gone, it was probably nice to feel like someone taking care of her. I have no idea what was going on in her head. When people are sick like this, I, I can only imagine there's a lot of shit and it's very distressing. And it's probably nice to feel like someone else is like taking care of it. But it was almost like she was so detached from what was happening that like we'd go to the doctor and he'd be talking to her and she wouldn't even like be listening like I would listen or my sister would listen like he's like you know are you understanding what I'm saying and so she was just so checked out and I'm not judging that because again I have no idea how I would be in that position and I, I can understand a lot of people it's probably terrifying but again because of my own stuff sometimes I would get angry about that Cause I'd be like, you're not even paying attention. Like, don't you care? Don't, cause I just didn't want her to die. I'm like, don't you want to live? I wouldn't say this to her. This was stuff in my head. I'm like, don't you want to live and do whatever? So again, there was that guilt. And once she died, I didn't really feel it at first. You know, the circumstances of her death, she died during COVID. And a lot of people that have experienced this is really shitty. It's a really shitty time to die. It's always shitty to die. But for the people left behind, this was a particularly shitty time to experience the death of a loved one. You know, if they were in the hospital or any kind of care place where, you know, if they were anywhere but home, basically. She had gone to the hospital when her, her illness had taken a turn. No one was allowed to visit her. So the first two weeks she was in the hospital. And then she got out of the hospital. And at this point, we didn't know she had COVID yet. She came home. They discharged her. And it was like, I'm like, she seems really sick. I was like, it's weird that they're, like, not... Like, they're not keeping her in the hospital. And I remember bringing her home, and she and she was having she was having trouble breathing. And she was just, she, she couldn't even walk to the door to get out of the car to the door, which isn't that far. And she was just sitting in the car, and I'm like, what's wrong with her? You know, like she doesn't seem okay. And then, like, she was home that night, and then the next day she was talking about, at the nighttime, I was, I'm having trouble. I feel like I can't breathe. And she was just, and she seemed very sick. And I was like, okay, so I called the people and they took her, the ambulance came and they took her back to the hospital. And she got diagnosed with COVID that 
that day. It's like she had, so that's probably why the, like, that's probably why she seemed so sick and with the, she had COVID. So she was in the hospital for another two weeks. And again, can't go visit her. A couple of times I was able to uh, talk to her on, a, the, the day before she died, I, I talked to her on the video, you know, and she was, yeah, I'm going to come home and I'll see you. And We'll watch, because you always like to watch 90 Day Fiance, and sometimes I'd watch it with her, even though I didn't really like it. It was just like something about that show, I'd kind of get sucked in with her a little bit, and I'd watch it with her. So yeah, we'll start watching it. And like, it was one of those conversations where like, everyone knew like that wasn't going to happen. I knew she wasn't going to come home. I didn't know she would die the next day, but like, it was, you just knew like this was kind of the end of the road. And then the next day, the doctor called and was like, yeah, um, we're going to put her on morphine and she'll probably die in the next like 24 hours or so. And it, when she first told me this, she only, it's, she had said only one person could come to the hospital and see her. And I automatically said my sister could go. I don't know, something about, I thought maybe, cause I'd, I don't know what it was about it, but I just, and it was a decision I felt okay about. And I, so I told my sister she could go and then the doctor called back and I didn't make a thing of it. I didn't even say anything. I didn't agree with that. But at the time I was very accepting of like, this is just what the rules are now. But then the doctor called back later saying that we could both come, but we had to go separately. And I'm thinking because maybe it was just two of us that were planning on coming. It wasn't some big family where 20 people wanted to come. They were obviously, I'm sure there's always, exceptions could always be made, right? There's always ways to, you know rules can always be broken right so I was very appreciative of that but we couldn't go together so we went to the hospital and looking back on it even though I had resigned myself to the fact that I wouldn't get to say goodbye to her in person um after having had that experience I'm glad that I was able to do it and I I realized that if I hadn't been able to do it it probably would have fucked me up a bit more it would have been a bit harder to deal with but she was on the morphine so she wasn't conscious and I'm kind of glad that she wasn't conscious because when you go say goodbye to somebody and you're not allowed to stay there the whole time until they die. If she had been conscious and I was like, okay, bye. I love you. Knowing like that was the last time I was ever going to see her and she was going to die. I think that would have been like way too like heart wrenching. So I was holding her hand, telling, you know, all this stuff, apologizing for any of the times where I was me, you know, I was saying all the, and I don't know. She heard, obviously at that point, I have no idea if she heard me or not. And well, like what, her state of mind was. So I eventually left, you know, she died a few hours later. And, you know, that's another thing too, with this, with the, the circumstances with COVID and or any circumstances where like things just aren't how they're supposed to be, or you feel like cheated or whatever. It's like, you know, that her with COVID and not being able to see her in the hospital, not being able to have the funeral, a regular funeral and all of that. Um, that was another lesson that I got to deal with, you know, head on was accepting things as they are and just accepting that's how it was. And if it was supposed to be any other way that it would have been that way, because for the most part, I was pretty accepting of it at the time, but I think I was more in survival mode. So after she died and the dust kind of settled, I started feeling angrier about that. And that made me really pissed about COVID in general. And like, I thought they, they were being too strict with things. I'm like, they're like ruining everybody's life for like no reason, like for, the benefit is not what I don't want to get too into that anyway, but I, you know, so I, an anger came up afterwards, but it was a big lesson in like, I couldn't be there when she died. I couldn't that last month she was in the hospital. 
I couldn't go there. That was, that's just how it was. I couldn't have a regular funeral. I had to, you know, there's just this idea of accepting things as they are and our resistance were, we're always upset, right? Cause what's our core resistance, no matter what the external upset is, this shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be this way. It should be another way instead. And that's a very suffering inducing thought, right? And again, that's the core of everything we're upset about in the world is that no matter what the, the external thing is, the core upset is always exactly the same no matter what. The, the same thread runs through all of these upsets is a judgment that it should be a way, another way than it is in the moment. So that was a good lesson for me to deal with that. And over time, you know, I would say like within a year two year and a half of her dying and maybe a little longer, a lot of stuff started coming up. Like I talked about before, all the guilt I had for how I treated her, any anger I felt, the stuff I was projecting on her. One of the things I had to come to terms with too, and a lot of people will probably find this if you're, if you're willing to look at it, especially if you had a complicated relationship with somebody. And this is something you could do even before they die, but especially like once they die. So much of the stuff that I would get angry about with her, I realized that and on some level, I think I was always aware of this, but it really hit me and I really started to be with it. And again, cliche projection. I was projecting shit onto her because with this fear of her dying, sometimes I'll have this fear of like, I always think, what if Ryan died? And oh my God. And because I would see how my mom was withdrawing from life, just sitting around all day, just watching television and not really being out in the world or trying to do anything and just feeling like her life is over. And like, her, she, at times I think she did have depression and anxiety and she was having some mental health struggles that she, she hadn't dealt with. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, I get so angry and upset about how she is because I think I would be the exact same way if Ryan died. I've had tendencies towards depression and anxiety and kind of withdrawing. I'm like, I feel like I'm looking at my future. If that were to happen, that potential future, that would be me. So again, kind of psych 101 cliche stuff, but a big part of, you know, healing that all of that stuff was realizing that I was all the, the anger I felt towards her and the, the things about her that I wanted her to be different. It was all because I was just seeing myself in her and I was seeing parts of myself that I did not like and that I found very unattractive and problematic and fearful and I just placed it all on her so it was never about her all that stuff it was always about me I saw myself in her I saw things about myself that I did not want to own that were mine so it's like instead of dealing with my own shit I put it on her and let me be mad at her so I don't have to turn it turn it back to myself and all of the guilt and everything I felt and here's the thing with like the guilt I felt like with how I would get upset with her and angry and I'd get annoyed with her and all of this stuff you know, I would try to assuage that guilt by being like, I lived with her for a year and I took good care. Like, cause Ryan would say to me, he's like, a lot of people wouldn't get what you gave her. She's like, she was very lucky and not in like a way of like, you know, I'm so great, but you know, the fact that I lived in the house with her, my work is very flexible. I was able to take her to all her appointments. Like, you know, she got, you know, like pretty high level of, of care for me that a lot of people would maybe not be able to provide, you know, because of their own circumstances, right? I don't have kids. Like I had a lot of, like, I was able to devote myself to her in a way that a lot of people, even if they wanted to, they might not be able to. 
So I would try to assuage my guilt by thinking how much I did for her. And I was, I thought I was a good daughter in that way. And I took care of her that last year of her life. But here's the thing about feelings, trying to intellectually analyze them and intellectually make them go away by being like, well, um, if I were to look at this from a logical, rational perspective, I have no reason to feel guilty. It doesn't work. You have to let yourself feel that guilt. The part of me that felt like I was a bad person for treating her that way and that guilt and that horrible feeling I would feel of thinking how horrible she must have felt and there I am yelling at her or getting annoyed with her or judging her and all of this stuff. I, cause I would think back sometimes to, I would feel guilty about, um, God, was right. I said I was living in the house with her. Sometimes she'd be just downstairs watching TV on the couch. And I know she probably wanted me to sit there with her, but sometimes I felt so overwhelmed by what was happening. I didn't want to be around her. And then I would think back and then I'd be like, oh my God, all those times I just could have sat there with her and maybe held her hand or just sat there and kept her company. Oh my God, I'm so selfish because I was, uh, you know, wanting to avoid her. Like all of these things, I had to let myself feel all of that. Because if I didn't let myself feel it, it wouldn't go away. And it would probably manifest this in a shitty way. I'd, I'd be carrying it around and I, I, I wouldn't heal. So that's, and I talk about feeling your feelings a lot. This is not a new thing I talk about, right? But it's so important, especially with this sort of stuff. Because these sorts of feelings feeling guilty that I was mean to a, a terminally ill cancer patient or I wasn't patient with her or I was like not spending as much time with her, whatever it was, right? I had to let myself feel all of that. I couldn't try to rationalize those feelings away by pointing to all the great things I did. So no need to feel guilty. I still, it didn't matter. I felt guilty. I felt badly. I felt that pain. I had to let myself feel it. It's so important to let yourself go there. And I know it's scary because sometimes these feelings are overwhelming. And in the moment we feel them, I think we're scared because we think, oh my God, like, is this going to ever go away? What if I get like, I unleash all of this and I get stuck in it? Impossible. You can't get stuck in it. The only way we can get stuck in it is when we don't let ourselves feel it. So you have to let yourself feel all of these feelings. And I know with grieving and loss, it's such a permanent thing. It's, it feels terrible to think this person is gone and I'm never going to see them again. And for me with not being able to have the funeral at first, that didn't really bother me at first. I was actually not happy about it, but I was like thinking of like having to talk to people and all these people and dealing with all of this. I was like, it, in a way, in, initially I was like, it was actually kind of nice to not have to do that. But ultimately, that's not really how I felt. I would have liked for everyone to be able to come and say goodbye. I remember walking into the funeral home. We were very lucky with her death because my sister's best friend's aunt, her husband, her uncle is um, a funeral. He owns a funeral home. So they, like, my sister coordinated with them. And I didn't really have to deal with a lot of that stuff. So it was... Uh, I would have if I had to, but it was kind of nice that she was kind of taking the reins on that, especially after everything that I'd been dealing with. I had to deal with her finances and all these other things. I had a lot on my plate with all of that because prior to her dying, there was stuff I had to take care of and paying her bills and all these different things and getting all of that stuff in order. So it was nice to have someone we knew um, handling it and being people that we knew and, you know, but we couldn't really have a lot of people. So it was like me, Ryan, my sister and her husband, her best friend and the aunt, and then like the, the, the funeral homeowner, her husband. 
But I remember walking in and having to wear the mask. It was just so, de- I'm like, and funerals are depressing enough anyway. But I remember I started crying immediately when I walked in. Cause I'm like, this is so fucking depressing. I was like, she's in this box, which is, you know, the thing. I have the weird things with the body. Like it kind of, I don't know. Like I've never, I didn't look at her after she died. I didn't look at my father. I don't know. Maybe that was a good idea, bad idea. I don't really know. But anyway, that's always been something about this idea. Like there's just this dead person in a box. It's always like kind of freaky to me. Like, so it's just always like, it's common, right? That's how wakes and funerals are. But it's just, it always hits me sometimes. I'm like, this is weird. There's just like this dead body in the room. But anyway, it was a closed casket. But anyway, I remember crying right away because I'm like, this is so depressing. I was like, this is like not, this shouldn't be like this, right? But it wasn't, a, but, you know, it wasn't like a huge thing for me. But over time, I realized that I did feel like, I didn't get full closure, maybe not being able to have the service. It did kind of bother me, but I did work through it. But yeah, after she died, you know, it's just a lot of, especially, you know what I'm saying, with the complicated feelings I had with her, with the guilt and worrying about her. And especially if you've had a complicated relationship with the person, regardless, whatever the nature of that complication is, it's, it can bring up a lot of really conflicting feelings there could, like I said with my mom, I experienced a lot of guilt for being short with her and some of the things I would think about her. I I carried around a lot of resentment towards her for a long time because I blamed her for how she was. I you know like I said before, how you're being is making me feel bad. So please be different, and I'd be mad that she wasn't different. So it's just really letting yourself feel all of that, and I know it could be really really intense, but it's just. It's really important, like I said, like one of the biggest benefits of this is when you're, when you're experience, if we're, and we have to be willing to do it, right? We, we, because we can decide that I don't want to deal with all this feeling and, and it could be there pretty raw on the surface, but we can kind of still not deal with it and suffer more with it. But there's a tremendous opportunity. I got a tremendous opportunity to work through that guilt, seeing the projection and changing that view of her you know, and, and forgiving myself, realizing living my life, I wasn't doing anything wrong. And even if I had lived my life exactly, if I had lived in that house with her every day of her life until she died, that really wouldn't have made her happy. Because that's the thing too, to think about if nothing outside of us can make us happy, us doing the things that other people want from us, it's not going to make them happy. Because nothing outside of us then that means like if you if we do what other people do at the expense of our own well-being and a, a portrayal of our own values or whatever it's it's not giving the person what we we are trying to give them it's not really she on some level she might have not felt as lonely cuz she had these other bodies in the house but at the deepest levels what she was dealing with if she didn't fully grieve my father or stuff she had with her childhood or different things that she would talk about in the past i feel like she had a lot of stuff that she maybe didn't deal with me living there was not going to be some solve some solve for those deep emotional wounds right so that's another thing too to keep in mind if you're feeling guilty because you're not giving people what they want even if you gave them what they want it's not giving them the emotional benefit. You're not giving them the gift you think you're giving them by making them happy because you're doing what they want. So, you know, that's just something to keep in mind. That was another thing too that helped me work through. It's like, even if I had done what I judged, I should have maybe should have done or other people might've thought I should have done maybe 
it wouldn't have made a difference. So it's okay that I didn't do it. I wasn't truly depriving her of her happiness. And even for argument's sake, even if me, even if us doing the thing the other person wants from us would actually truly make them happy, it doesn't really change that fact because it's not our responsibility. We can't take responsibility for other people's happiness because it's just, it's, it's something we all have to, you know, cultivate for ourselves, right? Because that's the only way it will be lasting. If we look to the outside for it, then it will, it'll be fleeting. It'll, won't feel as, it's not a lot of meat to it when we're doing it that way. Because we're not actually getting at the root of anything that's causing our actual unhappiness. But anyway, right? So it gave me a tremendous opportunity. Also too, it really gave me the idea to strengthen my belief in everything happens as it should and so because a lot of times with death it can be painful because people can die when they die how they die the circumstances surrounding their death it could often appear that they shouldn't have died at that point something went wrong or if something had gone differently she wouldn't have died the person wouldn't have died. And that could be, and especially the more painful the experience, the more that idea is going to torture us because it's like this horribly painful thing could have, should not have, like I could have not been in this pain right now and dealing with this. So again, right, the more painful the idea, the more painful that belief, the the more painful the situation, the more suffering that, that idea will bring us, right? But I truly believe that nothing is random. And I don't think our death is random, even if it might appear to be on the surface. And that really helped me a lot. Because I remember um, she, when she went to her doctor, the one doctor had said that looking back on the past, because another thing too about my mom is she died of lung cancer. But between 2013 and when she got diagnosed in 2019, she had three separate types of cancer. Not a cancer that came back or metastasized the second and third time. Three different kinds of cancer with less than a decade, right? So when she had been getting her scans for her second, she was lucky. The first one was just a, a melanoma that was like stage zero on her nose, just got it taken off. Second cancer was, actually her second cancer was like ovarian cancer, but not cancer. I don't really remember now at the time I was well versed on what this was, but it was basically like it's abnormal cells, but it's not cancer because they don't like infiltrate the body. So it was like not, it was like cancer, but not cancer. But so, but with that, she had to keep getting follow-up scans and everything. And looking back on it, they had noticed one thing in her lung, but they never like really followed up on it. So in that instance, it, was not, it wasn't anything super abnormal, I guess. I don't remember the exact details now because it was a few years ago. But that why I'm bringing that up is like, so that example, right, of thinking if they had followed up on that like blip or whatever, that thing that they might have been even mildly suspicious about and had her do some kind of scan, they might have caught that cancer earlier than she wouldn't have died. And then believing that would... Could, like those sorts of ideas, right? They torture us because again, we're dealing with a very painful permanent situation that cannot be rectified or changed when someone dies, right? Their body, this bodily human form is that's, that's curtains. It's done. Right. So yeah, that idea helped me because I could have looked at that and been like, Oh my God. Or I could have looked at COVID and being like, she shouldn't have the hospital. Maybe the protocols weren't good enough and they should have been more, whatever it was. Right. But believing that because I really I've always believed that it's not random and I don't think our death is random either that it really this idea 
this experience gave me a chance to really contemplate that idea more deeply and think about it. And it brought me greater peace because like I said, right, a lot of like if someone dies young, that could be very painful because we have this idea that, right, what's the underlying thing shouldn't happen. People shouldn't die when they're like a kid or they shouldn't die when they're only like 32 and in the prime of their life and they just got married and had a baby. Um, when people's deaths are, appear to be the fault of someone else, right? Like a crime, like someone murdered or like a drunk driver or like the company was negligent and the person got hurt in the factory and then they died or whatever, right? So these ideas of that it shouldn't have happened something went wrong, someone else is at fault. And again, and, and the consequence of this is this permanent outcome of like, this person is dead. One of the worst things that we go through is people we love dying. That's very, very painful, right? So for me, thinking of that idea um, really helped me because all of the pain I would have thought from thinking it shouldn't have happened, something went wrong and she should still be alive. COVID should have never happened. And however COVID started, that's, you know, something went wrong there. Someone fucked up something along the way. Like, uh, that helped me deal with all of those sorts of thoughts. And now some people might not believe that things are not random and that it, it you know, it's not meant to be. So I guess we're all entitled. So some people might not believe something like that, so it wouldn't be comforting. But I just really believe that everything happens as it perfectly ha If something was supposed to be another way than it would have been that way. So again, with death, that was a really helpful thing because to believe, you know, that could have been prevented or something went wrong or someone else's fault and this person paid the price with their life. Like, obviously that's a very painful idea. So that's something to, to play around with for people. If you, if you're suffering, if part of your suffering is that idea of this person should not have died because they were young or someone was did something that caused their death or whatever it is right so that was it and you know yeah it just gave me an idea it, it just this whole you know grieving loss is like I said before it really dredges up some of our deepest fears so one of our big fears is like being alone so then when people close to us die it's like there's one less person now for one less body in this world for me to connect with. And I'm going to be, and like right with me, with both my parents dying, there was something like that seemed like a tremendous loss. I know for a lot of people, that's a, when that happened, once the second parent dies, it feels like just another thing too, that this situation helped me deal with was loss. Um, like not just the death, but like I felt a, a lot of loss around, like there was all other sorts of loss that I felt like I experienced, you know, like I said, my husband and I, we don't have any full-time residents, but we go back to my mom's house in New Jersey as like our home base. We'd stay there for maybe a few months at a time, you know, visit with our friends and our family. We, especially after once my niece was born in 2016, my first niece, I, I spent more time there because I wanted to be around her. So we had that home base. So even though I didn't have a home myself, that was the house I grew up in. You know, I moved there when I was five. So I lived there like my whole life, pretty much. I felt like I had a place, even though it wasn't mine per se, it was my mother's house, my parents' house. It felt like mine. It was the house I grew up in. I always had somewhere to go back to. And when we had to sell it, it was, I felt like it was, it was sad to me because I felt like we were kind of losing that home base. I was losing my, you know, it just, there was a sense of loss there. You know, my mom had her, you know, the cats there that because I grew up in the house and lived there, they felt like mine too. The one cat was me and Ryan actually found her. 
I had to give the cats away. And I was lucky that people I know were able to take them. And my one cat is with one of my best friends and I get to actually see her still sometimes. So it, it feels good. And she's very happy there. And I'm very happy that she has a good home and they take very good care of her. But yeah, so it was like, I felt like I lost a lot of things. I lost like my childhood home. I lost the animals, you know, um, it was weird too, because not living, not having that house anymore, there was no need really to ever go back to like the town that I grew up in. So that was kind of weird. I felt like I was leaving there kind of permanently. I remember like once a couple of years ago, I went back there for my mother's, my sister's mother-in-law lives there and they were having, I think her baby shower or something for her second baby. But anyway, and I remember I drove back there and I hadn't been there in a really long time. And it felt weird because like I grew up there and I have so many memories there and it's like oh this is somewhere like I really truly don't live here anymore this is not my home anymore so that was weird so I, that's another thing too that it helped me work through was like I felt like because a lot of people might experience that too the loss of a person might lead to a lot of other losses like like your childhood home gets sold or different you know and it was um that was also hard to deal with too and that it helped me really embrace you know, getting comfortable with endings, getting comfortable with change, getting comfortable with, you know, things going away and, and things not staying the same. And again, this is all cliche kind of stuff, but we change, we suffer a lot at the hands of change, right? We, we're not very uh, good at dealing with it. We don't like it. We're not, we're not big, you know, human ego mind's not a big fan of change. It's so much not a fan of change that even good change, it resists and sabotages, right? It's like, it, it doesn't like it. So yeah, that was another sad thing too. I just felt all of this loss of not just my mom, but I felt like a loss of like a whole chapter of my life. And like this whole like existence I had was just completely gone. That house was gone. My parents were gone. Like the animals were gone. It was just like, I felt like I lost like all of this stuff and it was, it was hard to deal with. And uh, you know, it made me sad and it was just, it brought up a lot of, again, there's, it brings up all these things bring up a lot of fear. And our fear is at the root of everything. And the more we could work through our fear, the better off we are. Because when we don't work through our fear, it dominates all of our decisions. It dominates everything that we do. And it makes us do all these things we don't want to do. It makes us not do things that we really want to do. It makes us do things that are really bad for us. It makes us not do things that would be really good for us. And a lot of these fears, and some would say all, you know, spirit could be like actually all of them. A lot of these, these fears, when we really think from a spirit point of view, these fears are unfounded. They're not, they're valid for the fact we feel them, but they're not valid for the fact that they're actually real and that they're legitimate. Like, yeah, you should really be afraid of these things. Spirit would be like, no, you don't, you're afraid of a lot of things you don't need to be afraid of. So when we're, so if that's the truth about fear, and everything we do and act is based on fear, it means we're never ever acting in our own best interest, right? And like that's problematic, especially for growth-oriented people who are very committed to changing their lives and, and wanting to do right by themselves and, and all of that, right? So it gave me the chance to work on lots of different fears. I had a big fear of, you know, I don't I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I have health anxiety, but I've always been weird with my health and my body. And having two parents die of cancer relatively young in life, that kind of started fucking with me a little bit. I was like, I'm a ticking time bomb. I'm like, I'm going to die soon too. I'm like, if I think about the age I am now and the age when my parents died, I'm like, I don't even have that much time left really. I was like, I have like less, like, it's, I don't have like, you know, I was like, I think it was like less than 
20, I don't remember at one time, I remember like three, I'm like, I would have not even had 20 years to live. I'm like, that's not a long time at all. I'm like, I'm going to die soon. And that's something too I had to face is, you know, I, the fear stuff. And I still deal with that. I, I always kind of joke around with Ryan, like, it's funny, but it's not funny. I'm like, I feel like at any given time I have at least like two forms of cancer, <laughs> like any like twinge or anything in my body. I'm like, it's a tumor. Like, cause I had a couple, you know, back in 2016 and then late last year or 2021, actually, end of 2021 into like, you know, several months into 2022, I had another kind of stuff come up. I didn't go to the doctor either time. So I don't know on a worldly level of like specific illnesses, like what a doctor would say was wrong with me. I kind of handled it myself, but emotionally, but, uh, and I kind of just did it that way. But anyway, which when I talk about stuff like that, I'm not telling people to not go to doctors and then take medicines and stuff. It's just, my, that was for my journey personally. I knew that wasn't the, the path to take, but anyway, so these things happened and I'm, you know, it brings up a lot. I have a lot of fear around illness and getting sick. And that's something with my mom dying. It gave me a chance to work through it more. And I certainly haven't worked through it fully, but again, it's just, it brought up other stuff because her dying brought up my fear of dying and like my all of my health anxiety thinking oh my god I have like really shitty genes because a part of me that still believes in the worldly beliefs about the body right genetics and this thing and that thing I'm like both my parents died of cancer relatively young in life there's some longevity on her side of the family like my grandmother is in her 90s and she's still alive and she's actually very healthy and with it person it's actually pretty impressive and, you know, my great aunt just died at like 94. They, so, so there's some longevity there. But again, right, I, another thing too that helped me was if our death isn't random, then for whatever reason, if some part of me decides they're going to lay this body aside earlier in life than maybe I would choose, then, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it when it comes, I guess. I'm hoping that's not the case. I kind of want, I don't want to live super, super long, but I'd like to live at least another maybe a couple more decades if I can. And... Yes, that's another thing too it brought up for me was because like I said, I don't have like some full-blown health anxiety. I'm not a hypochondriac, but it's funny because I'm someone that worries about my health a lot, but like I never go to the doctor, which is kind of like an interesting like combo because usually people like that like go to doctors a lot, but I'm just like kind of the opposite. But yeah, so like that's one of my anxieties. One of my blind spots with this work is I have stuff with my body and stuff with my health. And when certain things happen with my body, you know, I, I get fearful. I kind of assume the worst. I'm not someone that's like Googling all my symptoms and like immediately, but I'm always like, what is that? What's happening there? And like I said, it's not a full blown like fear or something I obsess about, but you know, you know, we all have our stuff we worry about. A lot of people might have stuff they worry about more in particular than other things. And for me, stuff with my body, that's one of my things. Like I get a little, I'm a little, that's a bit more of a sore subject for me emotionally and energetically and vibrationally, right? Fear wise, it's, it's body stuff. And her death, it gave me a chance to, to explore that stuff more deeply. And when my health issue popped up the end of 2021, whatever it was, you know, many spiritual teachings would tell us only the mind can be sick and the, the physical illness is, is made up and that the body can't actually do anything to itself. And, you know, I won't get into any of that, but you know, it, that physical discomfort 
and like that suffering, that emotional suffering, the fear I had, and oh my God, what is this? Cause it was like kind of different than the other health issue I had a few years ago. And it was like, seemed like it was like a different thing. And I didn't know what it was. These symptoms were much more like vague and nonspecific and the human ego me that wanted to know what it was. It was much harder to pin that down. So I really didn't have any clue what was happening really. Whereas the first illness, all, like I said, I didn't go to a doctor. So ultimately I don't know what it was, but you know, it was, uh, the symptoms were much more like easier to pin what I thought it could have been. So the part of me that cared, like it without felt it was important to know what soothed a bit. The second time around, like it was much harder to pin down the symptoms. I didn't really know what it, it was. It was harder so that there was a discomfort there of the part of me that even though I didn't think it mattered what the label of the symptoms would be that thought it mattered was not happy that it was so vague. And then, because then it was like, Oh, what it could be anything then like it could be, something a chronic work as a term right and so that was hard and again that all of that stuff brought up a lot of strong emotion and it brought up some residue of the stuff that I hadn't you know with stuff that I was still feeling with my mom um I was like fearing like I dealt like the death fears and all these different fears and again like I said something with me the body's a sensitive subject in that way it's one of my issues that I have to pay more attention to and and work through more um that's one of my you know blind spots or whatever however you want to think of it it's harder to sometimes apply the teachings with the body for me as some people right might have a harder time with this right for again me it's, it's uh, the body stuff can be in my health so yeah it was just you know that these last few years reflecting on all of this I felt like this was a some kind of weird therapy session for myself or something. I was like talking so much about the, the personal experience, but I wanted to do that because I've always done that. I'm pretty comfortable doing that. And I feel like if any of this rambling helps people, then I'm glad. And even if I say just one thing that that connects with you, but yeah, when I reflect on these last few years, like lately, I don't know how long it's been, but lately for a while, I could think about my mom. I could think about the things that happened. I could think about those last moments. I could think about the different things that would upset me. There's not a, as much of an emotional charge. And like anybody that suffered a loss, like, you know, you probably can relate to that. Over time, there is a truth to time heals wounds. Things become less raw and emotional. You still might get upset about certain things, but the images, the thoughts, the memories, they don't feel as like emotional, like they don't feel as painful and as, as distressing as they might have in the beginning. In the beginning, I had a lot of imagery and the same thing happened with my dad. There's a lot of things that happened the last couple of days of his life. That imagery like got stuck in my head and it was like, I was very uh, distressed by that. But again, over time it faded. So you, so if you're someone that's in the thick of it now, especially with like a parent, you know, cause again, parent loss can bring up a lot of stuff for people it will fade. It doesn't feel as raw, especially with an ill, because most, you know, most people die. You know, some people, you might be dealing with a sudden death, and I, I can't relate to that personally, because both my parents died knowingly they were ill, and they died, you know, I knew they were going to die. Um, and for most people, that's, I'm sure, like, probably most people die more of illness and expected than, like, random accidents and stuff. So most people, their experiences, they know that their parent or their loved one is dying or sick or something. And they have an illness and they kind of start fading away over time and then they die. Um, it does like if so, if you're someone that's it's a newer thing and those images are bothering you, like they do fade over time. They do get better. 
I didn't go to any sort of therapy or anything for my parents' deaths. Maybe it could have benefited me. I don't know. At the time, I didn't feel like I felt like I was coping with it pretty typically. I didn't feel like I was, you know, anything was too out of the ordinary or I was like having a hard time. But for some people, like you might find therapy. Um, I know that there's, I was listening to a comedian the other day and she was talking about, she does a lot of like therapy and she talks a lot about her mental health very openly. Her name's Jessica Kirsten. She's hysterical actually if you look her up on like YouTube or Instagram or something. But anyway, uh, she was talking about how her father died around the same time that my mom had died and she was talking about certain imagery near the end of his life and how he was and it was kind of traumatic for her and painful and she did some sort of, um, it's like EMDR, the eye movement therapy, but it's called like ART, which is like some kind of more intense form where apparently you're only supposed to need like one or two sessions as opposed to the EMDR, which is like multiple, like maybe long, a bit longer term. But anyway, my point in saying all that was I felt inspired to share that specific form of therapy. Maybe that's something that's going to resonate with somebody. But my point is, you know, if you feel like you need help getting through it, then like don't hesitate to reach out to a therapist or maybe there's a coach some sort of person that you could talk to that you think would would be able to assist you with what you're going through but know that you know for me I felt a lot of really really intense emotion but I was my ego mind wanted to judge as like abnormal or like this is not normal to feel this way but I think that when we really let ourselves I think we all have a lot of really really intense emotion that we don't full feel to the fullest because we feel like that's not normal to feel that way to that level of whatever. But I think it's, if you're experiencing it, I think it's normal. And I think on an intuitive sense, people can sense if like, it's just a really deep release or there's something else going on that needs to be addressed. So if you fall into that latter category, then yeah, like maybe you would need someone to help work it out. Or maybe there is something happening that's not typical and you would maybe need some assistance. But just in my own experience and talking to different clients and people over the years and like listening to their stories, even the craziest seeming level of like emotion and like expression of it, it to me, it's normal. Because I think that we have a, it's so, our emotions are just so repressed and like by the time we get to them, we're just like so wound tight. It's just like the release of them can be very, seem, seem extreme, but it's just not. And like, I've just seen in my own life how letting myself go to that place with like that really deep release was so beneficial. It helped, like it was a huge component in my, my physical healing those both times without a doubt, because I would see the direct correlation between the deep releases and my, my symptoms improving like steadily. So I knew that would, cause I, and that's kind of all I was doing really. So I know for sure, like it was it in a sense because like I wasn't doing really anything else I wasn't really especially the second time around I wasn't like doing any physical external treatments or anything right I was just like dealing diving headfirst into my fear that I was dying of cancer or whatever I thought was happening to my body at the time which I don't think it was anything because I'm still alive so whatever it was couldn't have been I guess too serious on a worldly level because I'm, I'm I'm here now I didn't die so that's good but um, yeah, so just, you know, whatever level, like, don't be afraid. I know at the time it could feel scary to, to go there, but just let yourself go there. And however that release happens for you, whether it's really intense crying, like I would have crying sessions with my mom and like my health stuff, like not a little weepy, like, oh, I'm sad, like sobbing, like the depths of despair type sobbing. Like, um, I would, 
with the health thing the second time around, I, I felt all this rage come up, like this really intense like anger. And I would um, scream into pillows. And again, that might sound cliche, but that shit works. Those releases are like, afterwards it would feel like, um, like almost like how you feel after a massage or something. Like there's this tension in your body. It just like goes away. Or sometimes what I would do is I would get in my car and I would drive by myself, obviously, not with anybody with me. And I would just scream while I was driving because, like, nobody could hear me or see me. And, again, it just, like, like, if someone saw me, they'd be like, what's wrong with this woman? But it just, it worked. It made me feel better. So my point in sharing this with you is, like, don't be afraid to do stuff. Don't judge it. Like, just, because it just reminds, like, because when I use the term rage, you know, I mean, I use that term because there are two separate times where I read stuff that reference that what we feel is rage, but we just don't realize it. The first one was in A Course in Miracles, and I can't remember the exact, like, quote, but it was basically something like, even the slightest annoyance is just a veil, a thinly disguised veil for deep rage. So saying, like, any any negative emotional response we have, even if it, on the surface, it seems, like, more muted or not as intense, it's just, there's, at the root is, like, a rage, but it's just coming out, like, it's just seeping out, a little seeping of it in, like, a seemingly, like, not as intense reaction, but that's just, it's, like, rage, and then the second time was I was reading a book by, I want to say Sarno, John Sarno, maybe, he wrote a book, it was recommended to me by, um, a client at the time, he is a well-known doctor that dealing with, like, back pain and stuff, and he would, in, in, uh, reading it, it would be, uh, he would talk about rage. He just talked about how our repressed, he would just refer to it as rage. And I just loved in those two instances. I'm like, I think it really is true. Like we wouldn't think it. Cause we think of rage as like this really intense, like rage, right? We think we think of that word, but it's just, it's different. Like it's, but, uh, it's so repressed that either we don't let it out at all or it, it, it seeps out in little annoyances. But if we were to, and at the time we'll be like, no, I'm not rageful. I'm just annoyed or maybe a little angry or I'm irritated or frustrated. But if we were to really like let ourselves feel the depth of that feeling at the time, it would probably be like rageful, right? So my point is saying like, we have a lot of really intense emotion. So when you start letting it out and you think this is like weird, I shouldn't feel like it's more, I think it's normal. I think everybody has it to some degree and some people are more in touch with it. Some people might express it in unhealthy ways and that's not as helpful, but at least like they're in touch with it. And some people it might be more like, uh, totally so repressed that they're like the exact opposite and they seem very calm and they're, it's just, but it's just like really repressed or some people, like, it might be some, there's probably like a spectrum of like how in touch we are with that, those deeper feelings and, and how we, and how in touch we are with them. But my point is. Whatever, like, if you feel really, really intense emotion, don't be afraid of it. Don't judge it. It's normal. And again, something like grief and loss and death can really bring it to the surface. And it might feel very overwhelming. Just go with it. And if you, like I said before, if you feel like you need someone to help you through it, then, you know, those resources, if that spirit will hook you up and then guide you to, if you need a person or something, uh, any resource to, to help you with it, you'll be guided to it and you'll recognize it. But... Yeah, so that's just, that's it. Those are my thoughts on grief, some just thoughts on grief and loss I was reflecting on, you know, you know, reflecting on my mom's birthday and, you know, she died a little over three years ago now. And yeah, it sucks. Acknowledge it sucks. Acknowledging something sucks, like whatever you're going through that's emotionally challenging for you and you feel like you're suffering. Acknowledging it's hard 
you would be amazed at how much that helps you. Because again, like there's a judgment of stuff and that adds to the suffering more of the judgment of everything. But when we acknowledge something as it is, it takes away that layer of suffering. So you're like, yeah, I'm grieving the loss of somebody, my husband, my spouse, my sibling, whoever, a child, whatever it is. And especially depending on the nature of the relationship, how they died, the age, like all of these different factors can make it feel more intense in certain respects. Whatever it is, acknowledge it sucks. Because acknowledging it sucks is helps it suck a lot less. And, and, the, and the worse the situation sucks, the more that acknowledgement helps. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this and found it helpful. Um, you know, for more content products and about my coaching, head on over to livelifemadeorder.com. Bye-bye.